We rock on here on Shadow League Radio. I am Mark Gray. Thanks for hanging out. As always, you can check me out at The Sports Groove on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And slowly but surely, the NFL season is about ready to kick off. And players going into camp and dealing with uh, training camp right now. And certainly one of the HBCU all-time greats and one of the top safeties in the National Football League joins us right now. Please, Donna, the privilege to be joined by Antoine Bethea. When you watch a kid play in the MEAC and then go on to star like this, either one or two things are happening. Either he's experienced and I'm getting old or vice versa. So, Antoine, welcome back to the program. Which is it? Are you more experienced now or am I just a crotchety old curmudgeon? Nah, man, we're going to have to hang out, hang out house on both of them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, man, um, you know, it, it's a blessing, man, being able to go into uh, to year 14, man. Um, it, it's definitely a blessing for me. Well, as you go into camp, a lot of people talk about there's this thing where your body starts feeling like, okay, it's time for me to get after it. And then, like, two days in the camp, you really don't want to be there. Give me a sense of what that's like for you guys who've been through the grind, who know what it's about. Is there anticipation or is this just a part of the process? Yeah, I think it's it's both. Um, It's definitely anticipation just knowing that the – you know the season is right around the corner, um, but then again, you know it, it's part of the process. You know you got to get through training camp too um, to get to the season. So um, not gonna say it's a part that everybody enjoys, but it's definitely a process that you uh, that you have to have. You have to go through. How much anticipation do you have for this particular season with the Giants? I mean, they seemingly are the team that's in transition, but when you have a transcendent offensive weapon like your running back Saquon Barkley is does that fuel with his potential trickle down to everybody to know if you step up just a little bit that's a guy that can get you over the hump and then you get back into where I'm sure you'd like to get back where you're in contention for another Super Bowl well you know um having a talent like Saquon you know you definitely um um you definitely enjoy that but being that you know football is the the ultimate team game. Um, you got to have everybody or, or, around him, um, you know, doing their part. So, you know, whether it's, you know, offensive line or whatever the case may be. So, um, obviously, that's the goal going into um, to this to this season. Um, everybody doing their part, doing it to their best of, uh, of their ability. And um, like you said, you know, just, just getting it um, to a point where, you know, trying to get New York Giants back to uh, the, the, the type of football that they're known to have. How you like playing in New York? I mean, you start your career with Indianapolis, really small, medium market. Then there's Arizona, which is a little bit bigger, but they had great expectations because of the fact that they had played in the Super Bowl when Kurt Warner was out there. And now you're in New York. Bright lights, big city, a lot of pressure. How do you look at all the stuff that goes with playing in New York? Because it's got to be a unique environment to be in when there's so much attention on you 24-7, 365. Nah, it's definitely unique. Um, But I think my thing is you go out there, do your job, and do it um, the way it's supposed to be done. Um, You can't reap nothing but uh, positive uh, benefits and positive rewards from that. So, um, obviously, you know, you outside looking in, 
Um, you see a lot, you know, as far as, you know, the, the, the media, the New York media and, you know, how they're, you know, really, like you just said, all eyes on their sports teams. But, you know, coming in, man, you just got to, um, for me, um, anyway, just come in and, like I said, play the game the way it's supposed to be played. And, you know, you just take it from there and, and take it in stride. Is it in many respects like being the horse that has to have the blinkers on so you can keep a tunnel vision focus away from the distractions? How do you approach that? Um. You know, for for me, you know, being in the, I mean, I've been playing for a, for a while, so for me, it's just you know, it, it's it's a job. Go do your job, um, and like I always say, stay out the way, keep your nose clean, and um, and go about your business. Antoine Bethea is our guest, 14-year NFL defensive back, played his college football at Howard University, and he joins us as we continue here on the program. What are you guys' expectations? You're in a really tough division. No matter how you look at it on paper coming in, and we all know what paper is worth these days as long as it's not like dead presidents on them. They're really worthless as far as predictions are concerned. However, on paper... The Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys are 1A and 1B in the division. Your team and the Burgundy and Gold are 3-4, depending on how you want to look at it. So when you look at the depth and the challenges that face you all as a team this year to get back on top, how daunting, if you look at them that way, are they for you guys to be a contender in the race for the NFC East? Man, um, again, outside looking in, um, playing in the league, um, you always look at this division, and the winner of this, this division, nine times out of ten, is either nine and seven, ten and six, eight and eight. So uh, right then and there, you just you know you see how um, competitive uh, the division is, and um, you know for us, you know you can't really you can't worry about what the what the writers say or what the so-called experts talk about. Um, the the beautiful thing about this game is that you got to go out there and play. So um, and you know as that famous movie Any Given Sunday, um, that's the truth. Um, you got to go out there and play every Sunday and and, and figure out um, how you gonna come out and be victorious. So for for us, it's all about worrying about the New York Giants. You know what what can we do to um, be better than what we were last year? And you know at the end of the, at the end of the season, we'll see where the, um, what the records are, and we'll we'll go about it how we need to go about it. I'm sure you know my boy Doc Walker from um, 980 here in the nation's capital area, played for the Burgundy and Gold on a couple Super Bowl teams. Uh, He likes to refer to your division as the division of champions. And this is one of the only divisions in the league where every franchise has won at least a Super Bowl. Is that something that's talked about? Is there a legacy that is embraced by those of you who now compete in that division? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's just a <clears throat> you have some historic teams in our division. So obviously, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's it's like that in every um, one of the the, the organizations um, inside the building. They always talk about getting back to that um, to the mountaintop. You know, I know the Cowboys. I know we talk about it. Um, you know, Philly just winning the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's that it's it's a lot of competition. Um, within the within the division, and then uh, the teams in itself um, expect a lot, um, you know, from their organization. So yeah, I mean, I think you know, um, being a being a fan of the sport, you know, you kind of recognize that, and and I think everybody relishes that. 
And it's funny that you mentioned being a fan of the sport. Are you a fan of the video games and, and, and the Madden and all that? Because it seems like here recently a lot of players have been uh, upset by their Madden rankings. <laughs> uh, from yeah. a player's perspective, man, what do you make of that? Because I'm so old, we didn't have Madden when I was in college. I did a lot of beasting with uh, Bo Jackson on Tecmo Bowl. So when you look at the ratings right now, what is that? Is that just fodder for conversation? Do you know guys who are upset that they're like a 85 when they should be at 95 and all that stuff? Yeah, uh, that's funny. Um, I, I don't, I don't play the video games, but you know, as far as like you know, on Twitter, you seeing the conversations and things of that nature. Um, guys being upset. So, I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't look too much into it. You know, um, like you said, like being, um, being, being in the game. Um, the ratings are what they are. You know, some people might go by by those ratings, but um, you know, I don't go by by that too much. Obviously, some guys that's. Um, should be be rated uh, way higher than what they are, but I mean it is what it is. You know, um, obviously you know Madden and the people within that structure they doing what they doing or whatever the case may be. But um, I don't think guys should really uh, hop on that too much. Do you know what your ranking is? Yeah, I think my um, I think the Giants. The Giants posted it. I think I was like a, a 70 something. We know better than that. That's your peak. When you were that dude, as opposed to being an OG, think you were. What, what do you think Antoine's all time Madden rating should be? All time? Um, I definitely should be up in the um, the high 80s, um, low 90s. You know what I'm saying? If, if you just look about, look at the, the body of work um, and don't worry about, you know, um, what. What uh, the the names that the media is always talking about? If you just look at the body of work, I think I should definitely be high um, high eighties, low nineties. How do you look at yourself right now? Because you're sort of an OG. You're the guy that is looked upon now as one who has to share the knowledge, has to groom the next generation, has to be a uh, voice of reason when. You see the millennials come in because I think you went through the Gen X transition to where the game now is dominated by millennials who seem to have a preoccupation with their brand and their notoriety more so than the blood and guts work that a guy like you had to put into in order to sustain yourself for more than a decade in the game. So how do you counsel a generation that by and large really doesn't seem to embrace the history of those who came before them? I think for me, it's just, um, just give it to them real and just give them my experiences and what I've, what uh, the knowledge that I've gained since I've been through the, through the league. Uh, then, you know, as I've seen, you know, some guys are going to, um, hold on to that information. And some gonna do, um, you know, do whatever they think is best for them. So for me, um, as being like one of the OGs, you know, just you know, talk about what I've seen, um, talk about what I've gone through, talk about what some of my former teammates have have gone through. And like I said, I, all I can do is just give them what I've seen, um, what's helped me um, have longevity in this league. And then um, I kind of say it's up to it's up to you after after we have this talk or this conversation, um, to do whatever I, you know, whatever I, whatever the knowledge I gave to you or whatever the, whatever the case may be, it's up to them. So 
Um, but obviously, I think, like you said, you hit it on the head. Like the times have changed a little bit, but um, I think um, a lot of the the millennials are coming into the game kind of a little bit ahead of the curve as far as the aspect as branding and things of that nature where you have social media um, and how you can use that in a positive way. So um, it's definitely been interesting being able to see the young guys come in the locker room. But, you know, being um, being the OG, I, I, I appreciate it and I, and, I, and, I, and I respect it. Interesting that you bring up using social media in a positive way. How do you use social media as a positive when to me, in many respects, it seems like it's become a bit of a distraction. And, and certainly some could argue that that might have been some of the case last season with several of your former teammates. Well, like you, um, like you said, you got, it got to be a conscious um, conscious effort to use social media in a positive way. Obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's so many things that you can do with social media. And, um, you know, once it's up there, it's up there. So you really got to think about what you um, – what you really, what you really want people to to to, to take from that, but um, using social media in a positive way, like if you um, you know, if you have a a, a foundation or um, the good things that you're doing in the community, or if you're trying to get um, a positive word out, there's so many ways that you can use social media and get your word out to the masses, um, and you can do it so quickly with the social media with a click of the button. Um, and things of that nature. So it's so it's a lot of ways where you can you can use social media um, to benefit you, uh, benefit your platform in a positive way. But it's just one of those things where you got to kind of educate yourself. You got to get people around you that knows what they're doing as far as when it comes to social media. So um, that's one thing where you know I feel as though the league has been trying to do a, a decent job of um, letting the guys know what to do, what not to do as far as it when it comes to social media. Antoine Bethea is our guest, the New York Giants safety who enters his 14th year in the National Football League as we continue here on the program. Just wanted to reach back for a second and talk about you sharing your knowledge because, again, having watched and covered you as that small, fast kid that was knocking the blocks off of people at FAMU and South Carolina State and North Carolina A&T when you were in college, you came to the league with a bit of a humility. You were a sponge and were sopping up every bit of knowledge that you could from those who came before you. Can you talk about how you walk undrafted, then coming in and really just outplaying everybody in Indy to get to the point where you could make the team and then sustaining yourself? Then you talk about the new generation coming in, you know, preoccupied with branding and stuff like that. Do you think your journey helped that humility and gave you an innate drive that may be lacking in some players who get guaranteed money for being high round draft picks and if used properly even before you get to your second uh contract it can in fact change your life well i think um what i told everybody i mean everybody's story is going to be different you know um everybody can't be that high draft pick um some guys gonna have to go and draft their late round draft picks and um and make their way obviously their path's gonna be a little different um, my path was my path. I embraced it. Um, like you said, you know, coming to the league and my thing was just, you know, just give me an opportunity to show my ability. And um, the Indianapolis Colts, they gave me that. Um, and once I was out there, you know, all I knew was was compete. 
um, compete, compete, compete. Um, the you know way I grew up and where I grew up at um, in athletics around um, Newport News, Virginia, was all about competition. So that's all I did was go out there, compete, um, you know, stay out of trouble, get in that playbook, and um, and do what I do what I knew how to do, and that was to play ball. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to make the team and um, and able to start from <clears throat> from day one or well game one. And uh, when I when I was given that opportunity, you know, in my mind it was that uh, you know never never let go of this opportunity. Um, so you know, every year you know you have a draft, you have they, the team draft people that um, typically in their minds they want to replace you. So um, I did everything in my in my power um, to be that starter each and every year. Um, so, you know, that was one of the things that I always um, thought about. I, was, I always and still do play with a chip on my shoulder, um, just coming from, you know, <clears throat> the humble beginnings where I came from, um, never letting uh, the stardom or the, or the, or the so-called fame um, get to your head. And, you know, like you said, you know, um, it's, it's – it's, and when you talk about, like, some of the first-round picks, um, sometimes, you know, some guys may relax, but I've seen some first-round picks that – come in the league and they still have that drive. They still have that passion and want to get better. So, um, you know, you can't really put that on all the high round drive picks, but, um, but yeah, man, you know, I, I just think playing in this league in general, man, is definitely a blessing. Um, and if you do it the right way, like you said, like this game can change your life, can change your family's life, um, in a positive way. If you use it, um, the right way and don't let the game use you. You still love the game? You still love what it has done for you? Has the game been better for you than you've been better for the game? How do you look at the, the grand scheme as approach those twilight years of your career? Man, um, the game's been good to me. And um, I think the game's been good to me because I've been good to the game. Um, you know, never taking the game for granted. Um, you know, you always talk about you never know when that last, that last cake, that last play could be yours. Um, you know, it's done a lot for myself. It's done a lot for my family. Um, it's opened a lot of doors from, for, for me and my family um, as far as relationship-wise, business-wise. Um, and, again, you know, we always talk about it, like, be be good to the game, and the game will be good to you. And I think I've done that. Um, and, you know, I still love it. You know, going into uh, uh, year 14, um, you know, uh you know, it's a little it's a little different than when it was year one, year two, the way the body's feeling, but you know, the mind is still there. Um, the body is still there. So yeah, if if I didn't love it, man, I would have been I would have bowed out, you know, a few years ago. How much longer do you think you got left in you? I mean, we look at quarterbacks, particularly Tom Brady is often talked about as a guy that wants to play for at least 40 or 45. He's got this mad, crazy diet, this relentless workout thing that's during the off season that everybody talks about. Uh, how long can you keep it up? Your position a lot more challenging because you take a lot more hits, both that you initiate and when you're being blocked. So... Uh, uh, do you think a person that can play your position can play into their forties as well? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, you had Darrell Green. Um, he was up there. Charles uh, Charles Wilson was up there. Um, I want to say B. Dork was up there. Uh, Rodney Harrison. So you know, it's been some guys that played played some years at the at the DB position, man. And you know, for me, I'm uh, at this point in my career. I'm taking it one day at a time, one game at a time, one season at a time, and at the end, at the end of each season, I'll reevaluate where I see myself, where I see my health, um, 
you know, um, I never want to be a liability out there on the field. So uh, I'm going to take it, you know, like I said, one day at a time. And when that time comes to hang him up, I know um, the man upstairs will give me that sign. Like, All right, Twan, you had a good run, man. Um, it's your time to pass the torch. So you one of those guys that would say, okay, let me get out maybe one year too early than one year too late. Nah, I'm not going to say two years too early. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'm not going to say two years too early. But when it's that time, I, I think I know it's going to be that time. Antoine Bethea, our guest, NFL defensive back, approaching his 14th season in the league with the New York Giants as we continue here on the program. I'm Mark Gray. You talked about the area that you're from, the Tidewater area. And I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that area as one of the most densely populated, world-class athlete-generating areas in the country. I think Bruce Smith, Allen Iverson, uh, yourself, Sweet T. Whitaker, who passed away. I don't know if you got a chance to, to know him before he passed away, but what is it that drives you guys or has made you uh, such tremendous athletes. Is there something in the water down there? Nah, man, you know, we always talk about that, um, um, like something in the water. Pharrell just had his first um, his first festival out here, and he, he named it something in the water. But, you know, we always talk about that. But like I said, it was just, um, I'm pretty sure it's like that in a lot of different places. But around here, like he said, um, we call it like the seven cities. Um, it's just that competition of growing up. Um we 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 often seek seek out you know um, somebody in a different city if it was on the on the ball court you know they say yo this is where all the ball is at you know that's where we gonna go um, you know obviously you know during the during football season you know you're always looking to see who's the top um, top players around the city around other um, neighboring cities um, I just think it was just that competition um, that kind of bred us around here that that plays sports and then I think we just took that to wherever we went, whether it was, you know, high school, college, to the pro level, whatever the case may be. And um, obviously, you know, it's guys before, like you said, before us, uh, Bruce Smith, Lawrence Taylor. Um, you know, we can we can go on, Mike Vick, uh, Platts, uh, D. Hall, so Dre Blythe, a lot of guys that, um, Chris Slay, it's a lot of guys that was bef before my time that, you know, we, we kind of looked up to. And, you know, for me, you know, it's kind of the same now where I'm in the league and, um, it's younger guys that's that's coming behind coming behind us that's looking um, looking at us and seeing how we're doing it and obviously they're gonna pave the way for for the younger generation. So I just think it's a, a mentality that we have around this area. You talked about a little bit earlier how the game's been good to you and you've been good to the game. There are some things that are coming up right now, such as the prospect for an 18-game schedule. Would you be down to play 18 meaningful games as opposed to 16? And how would that affect the body? Can the, the body withstand 18 physical games and then the playoffs and all of that? No, I think we're good at 16. I think it's um it's 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 it's, it's just right how how it is now. Um, I think 18 games is gonna be it's gonna be a lot on the body, you know. And I, it's unfortunate that the people that's making the decisions um aren't the ones that's out there and that's 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 you know um taking the contact, you know. Obviously, you know the, the people that are making the decisions, all they see is the green, you know. Um, but I think we're we're perfect where we at right now with the 16 games. Um, and then, like you said, going into the playoffs, that's 
that's more than enough football, um, and to be able to still get that quality football where, like you said, you know, an 18-game season um, towards the end of the season, you know, guys, you know, getting injured, and now you don't have your best players in the playoffs. So um, hopefully, you know, they'll do away with that 18-game um, nonsense and, you know, uh, keep keep the 16 games and, you know, do whatever you're going to do with the preseason, you know, two games, three games, four games, but um, keep their regular season 16 games and then, you know, keep the, keep the postseason the same as well. There's some that afloat the argument it'd be a bigger pot of money for the players, though, if you do go 18. So if you add a couple of roster spots and, and then a few more Benjamins on the paycheck, would it be worth it then? No, you can't. You can't just 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 run for the money. You know, don't get me wrong. I know money is you know part of the reason why we're in it, but it's a huge pot of money that's that's still out there that the players can get now in the 16 games. Um, the NFL just paid the teams back. Um, some close to what six hundred, seven hundred million dollars, and you know that's the money that you know the players could 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 uh could eat off of. So I think they always try to get that excuse of oh it could be more money for the players, but it could still be more money for the players in the system that we in right now. Um, but you know that's not to be talked about. Would you advise your kid to play football? Do you think it's a great enough game? I've talked to some guys who said that they don't want their sons to play in the game and it's too rough they would rather see him go to basketball or baseball something that's less uh you know long-term detrimental to the body where would you fall on that um i'm not going to advise my kids to do anything i'm gonna let my kids decide you know um you know obviously i think my son he's going to be inclined to want to play football just because of what he he sees around him, but if he doesn't want to play, I'm fine with that. But if he wants to play, I'm not going to tell him um, that he can't play. What I will do is kind of, um, I won't, you know, I started at eight. Um, obviously, you know, I think, you know, just knowing um, what I know, you know, I'll probably, you know, keep him out of contact for, for you know, probably to like 11 or 12 years old, let his body uh, mature a little bit, you know, get him into some other sports. Um, but, you know, I, I, I won't say that I, I won't let him play. Talk to me for a second about the way that the game has been changed in terms of officiating and how that's affected the way that you have to approach it right now. You had to learn a different way to hit. You had to learn how to tackle differently. And, and there are inadvertent play calls sometimes that lead to penalty where there's clearly not intent. How challenging is that, particularly for a person at your position who in bang-bang moments where you're trying to make a tackle, even just a form tackle and not lay a hit on somebody where you could be penalized and it actually affects your salary when you get fined? No, nah, it's tough. Um, it's definitely tough. But as a player, you know, you got you to gotta change with the game. Um, and it's unfortunate, like you said, like um, these are bang-bang plays. Um, guys, um, fast guys out there, big guys out there. So be able to try to, you know, change your form um, at, in, in a split second is definitely tough. And, you know, that flag could, you know, cost, um, could be, could really cost you, cost you the game or, or whatever the case may be. And I think the unfortunate part for um, the players in the league is that, um, you know, some, some refs see it different and call it different. So um, it's not something that we can have. Uh, one answer to a certain type of hit or whatever the case may be because it's, you can see it being called differently um, week in and week out. But as players, you got to kind of conform to like the 
the the the style of play that that that's being allowed right now. So um, it's just one of those things you got to kind of go with the flow. Do you think that all the rules are really contributing towards keeping players healthy, or is it really just a mechanism where the league is? covering its backside to ensure that they don't face any more lawsuits and things like that. Is the game much safer than it was when you came in or is this glorified lip service, if you will, to create the perception that we're doing as much as we can to keep the game as safe as it can and we'll find guys if we have to do that? I mean, it's a game of football, so if the game of football is only, can only get – <laughs> so much safer, you know. You, we got helmets, we got shoulder pads on. Um, obviously, you know it's a, uh, you know been dealing with concussions, but um, you know I don't know. You comfortable with I the post career health care uh, that you guys have or whatever? Now, I'm pretty sure. Sh- now we, we we should have we should have lifelong health care. You know, uh, I don't think we should. Um, you know, right now it stands where you know after five years. Um, you know, we got to go into get our own health care. I think uh, players should have uh, lifelong health care. Um, and that's, you know, obviously I think that's one of the, the things that we're kind of trying to work on in the new CBA agreement. So, I mean, there are definitely some things that we could work on. Um, I will say, you know, the league might, you know, it might be, I think it's kind of half and half. I think some of it is that, you know, they're trying to save their backside as far as um, lawsuits and things of that nature. But I think they are trying to implement some things where, um, you know, trying to keep the guys safe so we can have a good product to put out in the field. If there is a work stoppage, God forbid, would you be able to keep yourself in shape to the point that you could come back afterwards? Because that threat does seem to hover over the league after next season where there may not be football. Now, that's all like ground zero, if you will, but – how would that affect you, given you at the later stages in the year? Are you prepared to keep yourself in shape and be ready after the fact if there is a work stoppage, or would that bring an end to your era in the league? Nah, I think I'll be fine. Um, you know, it's what the offseason is all about, keeping yourself in shape. Um, so you won't have to get in shape. So I think I'll be fine. Um, I think I know my body. I know myself. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. I don't think that would concern me. Um concern me much. How good are the Giants this year, bro? Are you one of those sneaky – that's a new term that we have in our business, uh, sneaky picks to make a run in your case at the playoffs. Are you one of those kind of teams that can sneak up somebody, or are you a work in progress? Nah, I think we are definitely one of those uh, sneaky teams. You know, a lot of people haven't been talking – um, talking about as much, and um, I think that's a good thing. You know, I uh, can fly under the radar, um, put the work in, and you know, show show the world what we have um, come Sunday. So uh, we'll see. We'll have this talk uh, again in December, and we'll see where we at. I'm gonna hold you to that, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely am, and it should be noted, boys and girls, that this is a guy that, as soon as he came off, made sure that he gave back to Howard. There's a facility, a training facility, that bears his name on HU's campus, and I don't think that there's any other athlete who has a name on your campus, bro, where you can look and say, 
this is my legacy and thanks what it has given to me and the fellow HBCU alum, where'd that passion come from? Can you talk about how your, your HBCU experience helped make you the player and the man that you are before we get up out of here? Yeah, man, my um, HBCU experience, man, was something like I tell people probably like some of the, like the best four years of my life, man. Um, just being able to go off and just learn about myself as a man, as a person, learn about my culture, learn about my people, um, and then to be able to see, you know, other <clears throat> African-Americans striving to, to better themselves as well and in the type of um, environment that we were in, man. So those were some of the best four years of my life. Um, and, you know, I was, I'm always the type of person that if I was ever in a position to be able to give back, um, I would, and then, you know, we always talk about leaving a legacy. So, you know, being able to go back to Howard um, uh, and, and give, you know, um, donate and have that training room um, and to be able to leave my legacy and have my name, uh, namesake um, on that prestigious uh, uh, campus, man, um, meant a lot to me. Um, obviously, you know, it means a lot to Howard University and the family of Howard University. So, um, again, you know, like I said, Howard, um, I'm talking about how some of the, the best times of my life. I don't know if there's a Pro Football Hall of Fame call that you'll get one day. We, I can only hope that that would be the case, but I'm pretty sure that down the line, there's definitely going to be a Black College Hall of Fame call for you, my friend, because you definitely have been a credit to the African-American national pastime. And uh, keep up the good work, my friend. Uh, stay healthy. And hopefully we can have a conversation in December about you guys getting ready for the postseason. Nah, man, I appreciate that. Um, and, and, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that uh, later this year. I uh, look forward to it, my friend. The incomparable Antoine Bethea, ladies and gentlemen, New York Giants safety entering his 14th year in the National Football League. Again, my friend, best of luck to you, and we'll talk a little bit later on down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's going to close the book on this edition of the program. Special thanks to our executive producer, as always, Yusuf Khan. Thank you for hanging out with us. Don't forget you can find me, Mark Gray. That's Mark with a K, Gray with an A, at The Sports Groove 24-7, 365 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, give somebody you love a hug tonight. You may not get a chance to do it tomorrow. Till next time, we are out.